0: Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm going to welcome you back to Grace Crossing Church. So last weekend, I issued a challenge about the bumper to try to figure out the theme song. How many of you think you know it by now? Anybody? Ah, maybe a few of you. Okay, so let me give you a little hint. Think sci-fi television. Okay, I'll give you a little clue this week, a little project to work on. Well, before we jump in this morning, let me, um, let me just to share a couple of things by way of um, information and also invitation. Uh, I, on April the 1st, we have our next one prayer. It's been becoming a very special time for us as a church family. Um, talked to, about this last weekend again, but I just want to just emphasize that Uh, that we make this a priority, that we put it on our calendar. I really encourage you to to make plans as you're able to to join us. Uh, God's doing some really meaningful things in our lives, especially during these 40 days of renewal. Uh, Our one in March, our one in April gives us a chance to really bring to God our hearts as it relates to renewal. Um, Then I also want to mention that Easter weekend is right around the corner. We have a very special weekend planned, beginning with our Good Friday experience on Friday night, uh, April the 19th. Join us, if you will, at 7 o'clock. Uh, always a really powerful, profound experience in God's presence, and um, we would encourage you to join us Friday night for Good Friday. Then Easter uh, Sunday morning, three worship service opportunities, uh, 9 o'clock, 10.15, and 11.30. And we'll also have baptisms uh, available for each one of those services. So we, at Easter every year, we celebrate Believer's Baptism, Uh, For really two groups of people, those that are new in their faith in Christ and those that have renewed their faith in Christ. So if you've renewed your faith in Christ and maybe you were baptized as an infant or a child because of someone else's faith and decision, um, this is your opportunity to to own your faith and to publicly declare uh, your faith in Christ. And there's not a better Sunday to do that than Easter Sunday morning. So we just invite you, if you're interested in baptism, if you just want more information or you want to register for it, you can go to our website, and you can do it there uh, at our website. We would encourage you to do so. Well, Nate's already mentioned this, but here's the theme verses that we're using for our series, Renew. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19. Forget the former things. Do not dwell in the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. These two verses tell us three things. First of all, they tell us that renewal is facilitated whenever God does a new thing. And and don't look now, but God is always doing a new thing in your life. He's always at work in the new places in your life. Your new struggles, your new disappointments, your your new problems, your new opportunities, your new positions, that new promotion, that new relationship that God has brought. Those are often places where God meets us. So God is always working in the realm of newness. The second thing this verse actually tells us, however, is it suggests that we can miss the new thing God is doing by dwelling more in the past than we are in the present. By living back there instead of here. And the third thing it suggests is that each one of us have a personal responsibility to perceive what it is God is doing new in our life. In other words, I think each of us must be on the lookout for where God is showing up because it is when we are not looking for God that we can easily miss God. But God's sightings become more possible and more consistent as we are on the lookout, as we are intentionally and purposefully making a habit to look for God. So last weekend, we talked about renewed desire, and the story of blind Bartimaeus that is found in only one gospel, Mark's gospel. Mark was one of only two authors, biographers, who actually wrote about the life of Jesus who was not part of the inside crowd. In other words, he was an outsider. He wasn't one of the original 12 disciples. Historians believe that that, uh, Mark was actually Peter, the Apostle Peter's personal scribe so that he was responsible for actually writing down the stories that Peter is telling as he's recounting his journey up close and personal with Jesus. And I think it's likely that that's the reason the story of blind Bartimaeus actually appears only in Mark's gospel. Because Peter was probably one of those who as blind Bartimaeus was trying to get Jesus' attention, and the Bible says that the the crowd around him was trying to quiet him, it's very possible Peter led the charge on that. In fact, it's very possible based on his perpetuous uh, nature and his often volatile personality that Peter was the guy trying to quiet blind Bartimaeus. And so it would have really struck him that Jesus would have cared enough to stop his journey, call out to this blind man, and bring him to himself. So, so the first reality of, of spiritual renewal that I introduced us to last weekend was that renewal begins when we make our longing for God known regardless of the opinions of others. All of a sudden it doesn't make a difference what people think or what people say. God becomes part of the equation. We actually care enough to bring God into the center. We recognize our deepest longing for God and so he calls Bartimaeus to himself and here's the question Jesus has for him in Mark chapter 10 verse 51 Jesus said what do you want me to do for you Jesus did not ask Bartimaeus what do you need he already knew what Bartimaeus needed He asked him what he wanted. He wanted Bartimaeus to actually give a voice to his desires. To say it out loud. Which gave us our second reality of renewal. And it's this. Renewal requires that we name our deepest desire in God's presence that we name our deepest desire in God's presence. Now, I hinted at this last weekend, but let me say it very clearly this morning. Your desires may scare you, but your desires do not scare God. Your desires may feel out of control. Your desires may feel displaced. Your desires may feel selfish. In fact, your desires could even feel deeply dangerous and spiritual. But I think if you can get below the surface things, if we go past those surface things and we get to the deeper part that drives those desires, I think what we discover is something really significant, something profound, something powerful. I think we find there something that is the most authentic and genuine us and we find something that dare I say is holy and deeply spiritual. But we have to choose to drill beneath the desires of our false self to get down to the deepest and truest parts of our desires. One Jewish author actually spoke about this when she said, she made this statement and I I really think it's a great quote. Here it is. She said, there is a really deep well within me and in it dwells God. Sometimes I am there too. But more often stones and grit block the well and God is buried beneath then he must be dug out again the question for all of us this morning is what are those stones and that grit and the sediment that has buried God deeply within us that has prevented him from really finding expression through our lives you see if we are out of touch with our deepest desires, we are out of touch with our soul. And if we are out of touch with our soul, we run the risk of being out of touch with God. So, our expressed desires give us the opportunity to actually drill down and find the deepest place in us, the place that God connects to us. And here's the reality nobody can give voice to your deepest desires except you. You have to be the one to name them. You have to be the one to declare them in God's presence. So, my wife and I recently watched an episode of a show I haven't seen for probably two years. We watched an episode of the show called Hoarders. I don't really know why I watch that show, Um, you know, I can watch all sorts of genres of um, programs and different genres of movies and television shows, but that one sends me over the edge emotionally for some reason. I don't know what it is. Whenever I watch it, I feel like I need a dose of relaxation medication. I mean, it really does trigger me, my anxiety, that deeply. And the only saving grace to this particular episode, which we had to watch in chunks, because I had to say, I can't handle it anymore. I just can't handle it anymore. Um, The only saving grace was the clinical psychologist that was intervening. He was a caring, gentle, wise counselor. And he was wise enough to determine and detect that in that home and those spouses, there was one who was a hoarder, and the other one who was an enabler. That did not surprise me. Here's what surprised me. He was able to get the enabler to confront the hoarder to actually get counseling. So the enabler who needs his own counseling came to the hoarder and actually was able to convince her that she needed to get some help, and she agreed to it. And here's what the counselor did. The counselor said, What is it you have just agreed to? He wanted her to rename it, to say it. And she spoke it. And when she did, he said, Now, this may sound like a dumb question, but I want to ask you, why are you willing to do that? He wanted her to give voice to the desire. And then he made this statement. Thought it was profound. He said, public statements are one of the things necessary for lasting change. I could not agree anymore with his statement. Public statements are necessary. They are part of what is necessary for lasting change. What Jesus wanted Bartimaeus to do was to say it. And what Bartimaeus does is he actually makes a public statement. Of desire, Verse 51 continues and says, The blind man said to him, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, I want to be renewed. I want to reclaim what I've lost. I want my life to be changed. And I would suggest to us this morning that until we are willing to do that, we actually will often remain unchanged and will not experience the kind of renewal that God so longs for us to have in our life. Now, there's a third reality that I want to share this morning. It actually comes to us by way of another gospel. It's the gospel of Luke. And Luke actually dials into another reality of spiritual renewal that is so important. It's, the, it's another story of blindness. I shared last weekend, the Bible is filled with stories of blindness. There's lots of them. But they're not all physical blindness. This is not a story of physical blindness. This is a story of spiritual blindness. And here's the reality. Spiritual blindness is more debilitating than physical blindness. It's more destructive to us. It can affect us in a much deeper, more profound and lasting, eternal way. So it's the story of two men that are journeying from Jerusalem to where they have come from in a place called Emmaus, seven miles away from Jerusalem. They are on a road between Jerusalem and Emmaus, and they had just left Jerusalem because the Jewish Passover had ended. And so had Jesus' life just ended. These were two disciples. They had just gotten word that the tomb where Jesus was placed was empty. But by this point in the journey, in the narrative, their faith was empty. According to the narrative, they wanted to believe, but they'd simply... Didn't know what to believe. And so they're talking and they're ruminating about all that they had experienced along the road. And as they're journeying together, a stranger comes up and joins them on the road. We read about it in Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, beginning at verse number 15 and 16. While they were talking together, Jesus himself came and walked along with them. Something kept their eyes from seeing who he was. So here's Jesus, who they had obviously known personally. They had been with because they, they were part of the disciples. They were not part of the 12, but they were part of a wider band of disciples who followed Jesus very closely. The Bible says their eyes, when he came and began to walk with them, their eyes were kept from recognizing or seeing him. In other words, they were experiencing spiritual blindness in this moment. And we're going to circle back to this in a few minutes, and we're going to look at the cause of their spiritual blindness. But let me just say this. Every one of us here have spiritual blind spots. Every one of us in this auditorium at times can be just like these two guys. Because here's what these verses suggest you can be in the presence, smack dab in the presence of God, and not even be aware of it. You can be blind to it. God could be working in your life, and you may not even be aware that God is at work. So, Jesus comes. And he inserts himself into their conversation. Here's what it says, verses 17 through 19. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? (laughs) What things? Now, there's a couple things that strike me about this exchange. First of all, Jesus is the king of kings. But wouldn't you agree he's the king of questions? And he's the, qu- the king of awkward questions, like, who steps into a conversation and plays dumb? Exactly what he's doing. Perhaps you've been in a restaurant, you've been in the middle of a conversation with somebody, and you're locked in that conversation. Your heart is there, you are emotionally connected to the conversation. You're even giving clues around you that you are now with this person, Right? And somebody comes up to the table, interrupts your conversation, and acts as though it's all about them. This narrative actually strikes me as somewhat rude. You know, Jesus is actually interrupting a deeply emotional, and may I even say intimate, conversation that's happening. And then Jesus inquires about the content of their discussion, even though he's not part of the discussion. How rude. If it were me, I think I would have said, hey, buddy, I don't know who you are, but this conversation has nothing to do with you. Problem is it had everything to do with Jesus. And he knew it. And so here's what I find striking. Jesus could have, at any moment, revealed his identity to them. He could have at any moment said, you know what you guys are talking about? You're talking about me. Let me show you my scars. Let me show you my side. I want to make sure I, I make it clear who I am. But Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus lets them continue in their blindness in order to get to the source of their sadness. What Jesus wants to do here is Jesus wants to them to get in touch with what is causing the deepest part of their sadness and their sorrow. And let me say, it was much deeper than just they felt bad about the situation. So one of the exercises that I've learned to use over the last few years that has really been helpful for me to touch those deeper emotions Because on the surface, we have all sorts of emotions that stir. But how do we get to the deeper ones? I've used an exercise called the five whys, where you just simply answer the question, why do you feel this way? And then when you answer the question of why you feel that way, you ask yourself a second question about the answer you gave. And what I've discovered in my life is that often it takes me getting to the fourth or the fifth why. Why? until I really can identify the truest source of what's causing the sadness. You see, there was something deep that was happening, something deep that was causing their spiritual blindness, and it wasn't just sadness. Here's what it was, verses 20, 21. The chief priests, they say, and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. I want you to lock onto four words here in these verses. But we had hoped. these two disciples had had their hopes dashed. They could not even imagine how anything good could come out of their situation. They could not even imagine how God could ever repurpose their own sadness, their own grief, their own pain. They were crushed so deeply in their heart about what had happened that all of a sudden their own disappointment had led them to deep, deep sadness. And God got shrouded in the midst of their heartache and their hopelessness. Here's what I think is happening. I think they had lost hope in hope. I believe a big part of our 40 days of renewal is that God wants each one of us to have our hope renewed, which brings us to this third reality of spiritual renewal, and it's this. Renewal often occurs gradually as our hope in God is restored, and as our hope in God is restored, so our hope in possibilities is restored. All of a sudden, those things that have been lost inside of us, that have been buried so deep within us, that we have given up on our dreams and our desires and anything and ever being different in our life, God all of a sudden wants to come and be there. And he wants to get to those deepest desires and longings inside of our hearts. They could not see it. Because they could not see him. And we often can't see it because we can't see him. And so here's what I want you to do this morning. I, I, I want to just pause for a moment. And I want us to be present with those four words. You may want to utilize the insert that's in your handout this morning right now. The 40 days of renewal. And if you choose to do this, what I'd ask you to do is right at the top of that, just simply write these four words. But I had hoped. What is the thing that you had hoped so deeply for? That just has not happened. Like the disciples, where have your hopes been dashed to the point that you've lost hope? Maybe in yourself, maybe in God, maybe in others, maybe in ever finding good in the situation. This week, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to think about hope. And I'd like you to bring your deepest hopes to God and say, God, but I had hoped this would happen. Or God, I had hoped this would have been the outcome. God, I had hoped that it would have been different here. Because God wants to hear that from you. For, for your meditation, I'd like you to meditate on this story in Luke chapter 24. And when you think about this week as it relates to prayer and fasting, don't think about what am I giving up this week. Think about what does God want me to regain in terms of hope this week? How's God coming to me? And this idea of renewed hope. And then you have a place for your prayer, your personal prayer, where you can just express your heart to God. I did it again this week, and it was so powerful for me to write my prayer to God and tell God what is deeply inside of me. Thankfully, Jesus doesn't leave them in their blindness. Because here's how the story kind of ends. Let's fast forward to verses 31 through 30, 30 through 32 of Luke chapter 24. So as they're going along, the Bible tells us that these two men exit the Emmaus Road. They go to their home and Jesus acts like he's going to continue going. And they say to him, hey, why don't you come and join us? Come to our home, have a meal with us. Even spend the night with us. And they get to the table, and here's what's happened. When he, Jesus, was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road? And he opened the scripture to us. So here's another odd moment in the story. Jesus is the guest. And yet Jesus is the one who acts like the host at the table. The guest in the home never takes the bread. Never offers to feed the others. It's always the other way around. So what's happening here? Jesus knows that what they want to serve him is a meal. But he wants to give them something more. Something much more significant. Jesus is here offering himself to them. And Jesus takes the bread. He breaks it. Gives thanks for it. And then he offers to serve it to them. And in the moment that Jesus offers himself to them, something spectacular happens, something they're never, ever going to forget the rest of their lives, something so profound that it changes the trajectory, literally, of their lives. They go back to Jerusalem. Their eyes are opened. And watch this. They all of a sudden recognize that Jesus had been with them all along the journey. It was Jesus who was there in their sadness and grief. It was Jesus who was there in their disappointment, their misunderstanding, and their doubt. It was Jesus that was there when they were at the point of giving up all hope in hope. It was Jesus who was there in their heartache and their hopelessness. He was with them. On the entire journey. And guess what? Jesus is with you too. And he's with me. And he's with us here this morning. And what he wants to do is present an offer to us himself. So that our spiritual eyes can be opened. So that we all of a sudden can have our hope restored in him. And when our hope is restored in him, our hope is restored in so much more in our lives. All of a sudden we believe that all things are possible to them who believe. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.